Did you know that students get it free? The Irish Times offers a free digital subscription to all full-time undergraduates. Keep up to date for free with quality journalism and reporting. Claim yours today at irishtimes.com slash subscribe slash student. The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast in association with EY. Building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week I'm joined on the show by Sean O'Driscoll, co-founder of Clishta Hospitality, one of the biggest hotel groups in the country. Sean explains how its business has rebounded after two years of COVID restrictions with a double-digit rise in revenue and a record number of weddings booked in. But there are some substantial headwinds. The company's energy bill has doubled this year and the sector faces losing its special 9% VAT rate from next March. Payroll costs have also risen and there's no sign of a let-up in the cost of living crisis, which could impact on demand. All that said, he remains optimistic about 2023 and suggests the company would like to expand its footprint. So I began by asking Sean to take me through the size and scale of Klishta and its relationship with its sister company, Inua. Klishta Hospitality is a hospitality management company. We have two companies. We have Inua Hospitality PLC, which is, uh, contains eight hotels, uh, which, which we own and manage. But we made, we made the decision in uh, 218 that we felt there was room for a hospitality management uh, company uh, in, in the market. And we, bu- we built a platform uh, from initially three people in the office to 37 people today. And as well as managing our own eight hotels, we manage hotels on behalf of other uh, independent owners. And we also do consultancy to uh, independent uh, hotel owners around the country. Okay. And the management of other hotels, is, is that Klishta or is that also Inua? It's Klishta, but from a consumer point of view, we market under the Inua collection brand. Right. So how many properties have you got in total? We have 11 properties uh, around the country. And uh, what kind of revenues are you doing annually? So uh, this year we'll have had, uh, had a very strong year. So we'll have had revenues of 75 million. Um, and for those properties that we'd open in uh, 219, uh, that compares where our revenues are up 12% on 219. So it's been a hugely positive year. Uh, after a very challenging period, we've had a very good 2022. And it's not finished yet, of course. It's so not. It's the not seventy-five finished. million is projected for the year, it's, or it's projected for the year. But uh, I think a lot of the business is on the books at this stage. Um, you know, I think thank thankfully the domestic leisure market um, was very buoyant uh, throughout twenty twenty two. People wanted to travel, meet friends and family again. Uh, but equally, we had a substantial backlog in weddings. We'll have had four hundred and twenty-five weddings by the end of end of this year. Um, and equally, the the corporate segment is beginning is beginning to recover as well. And certainly, the domestic corporate business would have recovered quite quickly. But now we're seeing also that the multinational corporate business is also is also back. And uh, certainly, September to December uh, is very busy in terms of conferences. Now, the industry effectively reopened again in February of this year, didn't it? So it's not even a full 12-month period, and yet you're up 12% on the pre-pandemic times, 2019. And there have been accusations floating about um, levels at the industry by, uh, not particularly at your company, but at the industry of price gouging by certain politicians. Uh, What would you say to that? Because people listening to this might say, well, they're up 12%. Uh, It's not a full year. So they must be they, they must be charging very saucy rates. Yeah, I mean, first of all, what I'd say is 
there were a number of hoteliers out there that were charging rates that were indefensible. And what I'd say about that is consumers should vote with their feet. In those cases, you know, there were rates out, out there in the marketplace place that were indefensible. From our point of view, our, our average net rate around the country, and we've hotels right around the country, was €125 Euros net. So after breakfast and VAT, €125. Euros. So we believe we've offered value to the consumer. And that's why I think we've had a very good year in terms of uh, consumers have come and uh, stayed in our hotels because we've been able to, able to offer value. And I think that's on the backdrop of uh, what we've seen in inflation. So our own energy bill, for example, um, across the eight hotels we own, our energy bill was 2.1 million in uh, 2019, the last full year we were open. This year, our energy bill will be 4.2 million. So it has doubled. And that equates to 10 euros additional energy cost for every room we, we sell. So on energy alone, it's costing us 10 euros more per room uh, per occupied uh, in 2022 versus 219. Um, we've seen that um, I saw uh, Cantor yesterday are saying the grocery bill is uh, is up 12, 12%. Uh, in September, we've seen our in our own shopping basket in terms of the food and beverage we buy in hotels, we've seen increases of between 15 and 20 percent in, in the items we buy. Um, so we've had very high food and beverage inflation and then the substantial labour inflation as well. You know, we're nearly at full employment. Wage rates are going up dramatically. So I think for even a hotel to stand still, it probably needs to achieve at least 20 euros more in rate just to cover the inflation environment at the moment. Okay, let's go to the energy bit because I mean that's a huge increase, uh, two million euro, compared to what you were paying in two thousand and nineteen, which I guess is the comparable year. So, the government is given supports. I think it's what up to forty percent. The I I mean it's ten ten thousand to a maximum of ten thousand euro per hotel per hotel. So how much will you so, get in support to alleviate that? 2 I million? mean, what will equate is the the government subsidy will probably cover about fifteen percent of the um, cost increase this year. Um, so that's what it'll cover. So, you know, it's hugely helpful and, you know, very pleased that the government announced it, but it will only cover 15% of the of the annual increase in energy. And then you got to add €10 Euro per room per night to cover the rest. To, co- to cover the rest, yes. And, you know, we're doing a lot of work at property level to try and reduce our kilowatt hours since 2018. We've managed to reduce our kilowatt hours across the properties by about 18%. Uh, you know, changing our light fittings, um, installing in, um, new boilers, etc. Uh, across our properties. Uh, however, a lot of the low-hanging fruit stuff is done. We are looking at uh, capital expenditure in energy and things like solar panels, heat pumps, etc. to to try and bring down our energy bills. But it's it's very expensive to do it. But it's I think every business is 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 looking at that at the moment and seeing how they can reduce that energy bill. Sure. Have you turned the thermostat down? Uh, we very slightly. I mean, obviously, we we haven't had a cold uh, cold weather yet, but I'm I'm sure we will come January and February. You know, and it, it is very difficult, particularly hotels where we've leisure centres. Leisure centres are extremely expensive to run in terms of heating, swimming pools, etc. So we're doing everything we can, but at the same time, you have to make sure your property is comfortable for guests to stay in. Yeah, um, sure. So there's only so much you can do. So when somebody walks into a room, they, they they'll be walking into a warm room if it's in the winter. It won't be a cold room and they'd have to go and actively turn on the, the rad. No, absolutely. absolutely. We have to make sure our, 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 our rooms are warm and the people are comfortable in our properties. Yeah, sure. So that 125, does that include the extra the extra energy costs? Does that capture that? Yeah, it does. Yes. So, I mean, our, our net rate this year has been 125 euro. 
um, will be our net rate at the end of the year. So we believe we offer we offer value, you know, and we're, um, you know, as well as being in Killarney, Sligo, uh, Kilkenny, we're in places like Monaghan, Tullamore, etc. And it's very important that we keep our loyal customers, we have people who've, who've stayed with us year after year, and we do not want to frighten those away. So we're doing everything we can in in our business to try and maintain our costs so that we don't that we can we can minimize the effect in terms of passing on to the consumer. Now you mentioned 125 is the average rate across the year and obviously there are dog days of winter and all that kind of yes. stuff when you don't have a full hotel. But in the summer you must have been jammers uh, in most of your hotels. So what kind of what was the best rate you would have gotten in the summer? In we've we've won five star hotel, uh, Muckers Park Hotel in Killarney, and at at five star level, that was probably up at rates of around three hundred, uh, two hundred and fifty to three hundred euros. However, we've hotels, as they say, in Monaghan, Tullamore, that were you'd probably get a room at between one hundred and twenty and one hundred and fifty euros. You know, so uh, so you know, for each for each market um, that we're in, we we believe we can offer value to the consumer. Actually, I must come back to you on the indefensible uh, line. What, what kind of rate? Do you think it's indefensible? When you say indefensible, you don't have to mention any hotels. I know you're not going to do that anyway. But what kind of rate being charged to you is indefensible? I think, I mean, you know, at five-star level in Dublin, obviously you are go- you are going to pay rates and they're comparable with five-star hotels. But I think we saw three and four-star hotels at five, six and seven hundred euros. And to me, that's that's indefensible. Um, and that's certainly not the, not the norm. Um, and I think... The situation wasn't helped by uh, the supply being taken out of the market pre-summer. So in a normal season in Dublin, you would have 70 to 80% of the rooms booked six weeks before, and you would have about 20% of the rooms still available, which ensured there was value in the market. What happened pre-summer this year is the government contracted those rooms. They needed them for Ukrainian uh, people. And, you know, I'm very proud as a country that we have done our uh, that we've supported the Ukrainian people, but I think hotels were used as the only solution, and they took all the supply out of Dublin in March, April, and May. And you know, in a situation where our aviation policy is that eighty-eight percent of our international tourists fly into Dublin Airport, they'd know where to stay. You know, and we did real damage to the inter- our international tourism market coming into Dublin because all the accommodation was gone. And I think, I think we need a balanced approach in terms of housing our uh, Ukrainian visitors to the country um, between hotels and other accommodation solutions because it's not good in terms of the recovery of tourism if all the accommodation in Dublin is gone. I mean, it's it's not just hotels. I mean, you know, you've a lot of tourism jobs across the restaurant, pub, cafe tourist attraction sector and obviously if tourists can't get into the country and can't get a a hotel room in Dublin they're not going to come and that's going to have an impact on the tourism industry throughout the country. So how damaging do you think that might be in the short term? I think it wasn't good this summer I think it it did a a lot of damage uh, to the reputation of Ireland and I'm hearing from tour operators again that they're having trouble finding hotels uh, for next season and that con- that concerns me because I think you know our small businesses around the country need the international tourists coming you know into the west of Ireland etc and um, 
if we don't have the rooms in Dublin, that's going to cause a real problem. So I think I would like to see a more balanced approach. I think I think you know hotels are necessary to uh, the government need hotels to support support the strategy, but I don't I don't think they're a long term solution. And I think um, we need the government to work on uh, alternative accommodation options as well. Are you taking Ukrainian refugees in your own hotels? We have in one property. So we Which have in, in the Radisson Hotel in Limerick, we've taken uh, some Ukrainian guests. Uh, we felt that property was suitable because the hotel rooms there are very large. Uh, the hotel's on 20 acres, so we have plenty of space. And we've a very big hotel in terms of being able to offer them private dining facilities, recreational areas, a kid's room for the kids to play in, etc. So it works out very well, and they're very happy there. How many um, have you got? We have approximately about 150 people there. A lot of them have started working in the area and the kids are going to school in the area and they've set, they've settled in very well, you know, and they, they, they're very happy there. Uh, but as I say, I don't think it's, it is the long-term solution for families. And, you know, we need to, I think the government need to look at how they're going to um, look at alternative accommodation options in the longer term. And how much is the government paying you for each of those rooms? The uh, the the con- contract is is confidential, so I'm not I'm not going to disclose rates here. But I mean, there have been rates talked about in the, in in the newspapers. Um, but is it know, is it better or worse than your 125 euro net rate? It's that you it's, it's lower. It's lower. Yeah, it's substantially lo- lower. Uh, not sub- not substantially lower. No. But it is lower. Um, the rate that the rate the government would pay us would be for accommodation and three meals per day. So it would be substantially lower than our than than our rate. Uh, but you know we felt um, they were under particularly in March and April the government were under huge pressure and they needed help. And we felt this was a property that we we had the availability and and would help. You know, and I think it's important as a country that we do we do help. Now, in the budget in September, Minister for Finance Pascal Donoghue announced that the VAT rate of 9% that is applied to the hospitality sector for the last while during COVID uh, will will cease at the end of February next year. That's um, that's That was the scheduled uh, date, so no extension mm-hmm. of it. Now, Leo Radker, who's currently Thornish, but will be Taoiseach from December onwards, um, has suggested that there might be a bit of wriggle room on that. There might be uh, a review of that before the end of February. But... Just on the first point, if it does go at the end of February, it would seem that uh, the Department of Finance's view is that the the rates that are being charged around the country that we were speaking about earlier, some of those indefensible rates, really meant that it wasn't uh, acceptable to have a lower 9% VAT rate. They couldn't defend that kind of rate. Um, It was simply propping up the margins of hoteliers who were already doing very well in terms of rate. Uh, is that your view? Is that how you see it? And if that's the case, are you sore about the fact that maybe you've lost the nine percent rate because of the actions of others? I I I don't agree with it. I think um, if if our VAT rate goes back up to thirteen and a half percent, we'll have the high second highest uh, VAT rate on accommodation and food in Europe. Um, in in a situation where our business costs in Ireland are are generally higher than a lot of our competitor uh, countries countries in Europe, and I think particularly I'm very concerned about the the restaurant, bar, and cafe sector. Um, in normal times, they run on margins of ten percent or sub ten percent, and at the moment when they have a situation where their energy bills are are more than doubling, um, there's huge food inflation in the market and there's labour inflation in the market. Many of those are underwater as it is, you know, and they're using cash flows that they built up over the years to try and keep their business afloat. I think, you know, we're seeing every day at the moment restaurants are closed 
I think, you know, we're losing five or six restaurants a week at the moment. I think if the four and a half, if, if there's a four and a half percent increase in VAT at the end of February, I think it'll be the death nail of a, a lot of bars, restaurants and cafes around the country. And I'd anticipate we could lose three or four hundred uh, businesses. And I think the Department of Finance need to weigh up the loss of potentially ten to 15,000 jobs in the sector and what that could cost from a social welfare point of view if they put the VAT up. I think in a situation where inflation is at over 8%, um, if you put up um, the cost of dining out by another 4.5%, that's that's going to fuel, fuel inflation further, and I just don't believe small businesses will be able to cope with that. Now, it's interesting that you, you focus on the restaurant uh, sector. So do you think that maybe the government should look at a derogation for restaurants? They should keep the 9% rate, but... Hotel rooms should go back to 13.5%. I don't because I, I, I think in a lot of the hotel industry around the country, I mean, you know, 800 of our 950 hotels are outside of Dublin and they're seasonal hotels where, yes, they do make good money between May and the end of September, but it's a very long winter, long winter for those hotels and generally a lot of those hotels run at a loss through the winter months. Um, and I think, you know, they need... They need the nine percent fat rate to keep their business afloat. You know, I mean, we're we're in extraordinary times in terms of in terms of inflation, and I think it, it I think it will have effect in hotels. I don't think I don't think we'll see as many hotels close as we will in the bar, restaurant, and cafe sector. But I think it will for for those locations that are particularly reliant on a June to September period only. I think they will struggle if if the VAT goes back up. So where where does the debate go from here? Do you think uh, there will be a review? Um, is the hotel industry, the hotel sector, uh, lobbying for a, a review of this decision? Um, and, and what are the chances of getting yeah, a change I, of heart? I think all the tourism sector. I think the the restaurants, the the vintners, and the hotels are are working together to to uh, lobby government to try and maintain the nine percent fat. And I th- I think we are going to see the story play out in the next three months where we'll continue to see businesses close every day. And I hope government will reflect because we've seen, and I, I, I spent my time driving around the country to our, our various hotels, and you've seen retail decimated in a lot of towns outside the large urban centres over the last five years. And I think if you take a lot of the restaurants, cafes and bars out of those towns as well, it has a real impact in those communities. And I think, you know, if we want people to to move out to uh, outside the large urban centres, we need to have facilities for those people in terms of community. And I'd hate for us to see, to lose more of the pub sector, restaurant sector than we already have. At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. Now, you mentioned five or six restaurants are closing a week as it is, um, and they already have the the 9% VAT rate. So maybe those businesses just weren't viable. I think you'll always have a certain amount of businesses that aren't viable but i think the i think the energy crisis has really uh, has really uh, challenged those businesses and you know we'll we'll have seen the news reports of people getting energy bills where they're used to receiving energy bills of 5000 and getting energy bills of 20 and 25000 uh, in the post so I, I i think it's been hugely challenging equally i think the 
the labour market has been challenging. I mean, as as a hotel group, we're very well resourced in terms of human resource managers to help us recruit recruit employees. I think it's been very difficult for uh, independent owners that don't have that that infrastructure. They've generally been on the floor six and seven days a week trying to keep their business open. Um, and I think they've struggled from uh, being able to resource the ho- their hotel properly to maximise uh, revenues. And many of them have said to me that they've had to restrict their occupancy because they don't have the the uh, employees they need in the business. Um, so I think it's been a hugely challenging time for for independent businesses. And I think if the VAT rate say, stayed at 9%, I think a lot of them have a fighting chance of survival. Yeah, a very good documentary recently on BBC Television. I don't know if you saw it or not, about the Hastings Hotel Group in yes. Northern Ireland. And it focused on three or four of the properties that they have up there, five-star properties for the most part. Um, and they were suffering uh, major staff shortages. This is coming out of COVID, reopening again um, this year, I guess. And you see on the documentary that a lot of the uh, the management team are having to roll up their sleeves and they're having to clean rooms and clean bathrooms and they're having to do service and help out in the kitchen and that kind of stuff. And a huge shortage of chefs. And actually some of the people who were interviewed, some of the staff interviewed on the programme said, I just had enough, I can't do it anymore. The hours are too punishing. Uh, I, I'm leaving the sector. Are you experiencing that uh, in your portfolio? We've been generally lucky. I mean, uh, Fault Ireland did a lot of research on this, and the reality is, we lost the industry lost about forty percent of its talent during COVID, where they just moved to other industries. So how many people are we talking about when you say forty percent? I mean, the you're probably you're probably talking about one hundred twenty thousand people or so left left tourism and hospitality, and you can understand that our second lockdown was eight months. People needed to, to make a living and unfortunately we lost people to hospitals, to factories, to uh, the re- retail sector. So we've been very much in rebuilding mode and as a, as a company we started in January 21 um, hiring more people in our human resource team. We've, we hired an international talent acquisition manager to go out and find experienced hospitality people across Europe um, and we have a full-time marketing executive who is just focused on promoting careers uh, in 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 our industry, equally we looked at at our benefits package. So as well as uh, increasing salary rates, you know we've looked at things like pension, healthcare contribution. Um, flexibility is hugely important. We're open twenty four hours a day, so we can afford to offer flexibility. So in terms of making sure employees can drop their kids to school, collect their kids from school, etc., that work by life balance piece, we're able to assist in that. And then we've put a lot of resources into supporting people make a career in hospitality. So you know if they if they wish to do. Uh, hotel management or chefing courses. We pay their college fees. We pay them while they, while they go to college. We provide accommodation for them near their college and support them in every way we can. And that's what we have to do if we're going to persuade people to uh, join hospitality as an industry. We really need to need to look after them. And we're very proud that when we did open in uh, summer 21, We'd 750 employees returned to work, but we we'd 500 new employees recruited and ready ready to start uh, with with the company, and we've been able to operate at full occupancy. But as I say, we have the group infrastructure to be able to do that. It's been much harder for independent businesses to try and do the same thing. So you haven't had to put on opinion, go in and clean some rooms, or the, at, at times we have, you know, and I I, I think you know it's it's uh, the. The managers might like me uh, to say this, but at times it's good 
to be on, to be on the ground and really working with the teams, and they did that, you know. And we're hugely grateful to our, to our management teams. You know, we tra- we kept all our management teams on throughout COVID, uh, and um, they um, they they've repaid that loyalty uh, to us in terms of really uh, rolling up their sleeves and making sure uh, we've delivered the performance we have as a business. You know, it, it hasn't be, it hasn't been easy, um, but we've worked extremely hard, and and uh, you know, I think if if you told me during COVID that we would get back to two nineteen levels uh, in twenty twenty two, we'd uh, we'd have been very happy with that. So inflation is running at more than eight percent at the moment in Ireland and higher elsewhere. Other countries, the the outlook isn't great. So in terms of wages, what has your wage bill gone up by? What kind of pay increases have you had to put through to help people? You know, in this inflationary environment. Yeah. So, I mean, in nor- normally in in the hotel sector, uh, certainly outside of Dublin, wage rates um, or payroll would be over forty percent of our revenue. So, every euro that comes in the door, at least forty uh, cent of that is paid out, uh, paid out in wages. And we are seeing uh, wage inflation. The minimum wage is going up a- another seven percent uh, on the first of January. And I never have a problem with the minimum wage going up. But there is an automatic knock-on effect then on all salaries when the when the minimum wage go up, goes up. So we would expect uh, payroll to increase at least another five percent uh, next year. We did implement uh, earlier this year. We did. Uh, we recognised that inflation was um, was going to have an effect on our employees, and we would have uh, implemented pay increases at that stage. And we will be doing the same again in in January to support our employees. So you know there. There's um, the reality in in Ireland is it is an expensive place to have a hospitality business, but I you know I'm very proud of where the industry has come from. You know when I when I worked as a barman back in 1998, I was on two pounds an hour. The industry has come a very long way from that point, and I think um, you know we're, we are lo- we are looking after we are looking after employees, but we need to get that message out there that there's great opportunities in hospitality and there's great opportunities to progress up, move up the ranks very quickly in hospitality if you do want to make a career here. And I pre-COVID, we had two hundred and sixty-two thousand people working in the industry. We're now back at two hundred and forty-five thousand, so we're only seventeen thousand uh, jobs behind where we were in two nineteen. And I would hope we can get back to over 260,000 employees again in the in the industry. Tell us a little bit about John O'Driscoll. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Yoel County Cork and I'd have started working behind a bar in a hotel at 15 years of age. Uh, I thought I, I would do uh, something in finance, uh, but fell in love with the hotel industry, caught the bug. Um, so went to Galway to study hotel management, went over to Switzerland and got experience there. And then uh, came back to Ireland and worked with the uh, Great Southern Hotel Group, who are, are no more, but got a lot of experience with them in uh, Dublin, Galway and Parknasilla. Then spent uh, 13 years in Killarney, firstly as general manager of a property called the Brehan uh, Hotel in Killarney, and then at Muckers Park Hotel in Killarney. Um, so I spent 13 years as a hotel general manager um, before I, I started my group role in, in 2016. So I'd like to think I have an, a, a real understanding of the front line in terms of what what our teams are going through in, in uh, bars, restaurants and, and in accommodation and the challenges. And I like to get out there in the front line. I think the thing I missed most during COVID was not being able to hop in the car and be around the hotels. And I think you, you, need, to, you need to get out to the hotels and talk to your people on the front line uh, to really understand the business. And what kind of financial hit did you take during COVID as a result of hotels being shuttered or mostly shuttered? 
Yeah, so throughout 20 and 21, so we were closed for three months in 2020 and then eight months between uh, October 20 and June 21. And we would have had a loss of about 35 million in revenues during that time. So substantial substantial hit. And we were very lucky that uh, our our investors, our, uh, our investors in the eight hotels we own are, are retail investors. They uh, We have about 200 investors. Um, were hugely supportive and believed in the business. They know they knew that the hotels we bought, uh, we bought very wisely. The kind of hotels we buy are hotels that are strong in the domestic leisure market, the international market, the corporate market. They all do weddings. They all have very loyal local uh, food and beverage business in our bars and restaurants. So we have a business mix that we knew that even if corporate was slow to recover, that we had enough going on in the business that it was going to recover. And, you know, our investors had great faith in in our hotels and believed that we would recover. So they supported us. And uh, I think probably the most challenging time during COVID was when we had that general election in February, but we didn't have a government form till July. And we really didn't know if there would be supports or what supports would be in place for businesses. So it was at that time we really needed the support of our investors and they did they did support us. They did, yeah, good. You mentioned Muckross uh, Park. That was Bill Cullen Hotel. You were there for many years. Did you work with Bill? Yeah, I, I worked I worked with Bill for a short time. And unf- unfortunately, uh, the Renault, Renault business um, went into receivership. And, you know, it was a very sad time for for uh, Bill and Jackie. They built up uh, they built up Muckers Park and did a phenomenal job in in uh, developing developing that property. And, you know, their legacy is, is there in Killarney of what they created. I know you own it. And now, and now own we it. own it, yes. So um, it it went into receivership um, in uh, 2013 and um, it was purchased by Ainua, our founder, uh, Noel Creedon, in 2015. And that's how I, I got involved in the group. Um, and uh, Noel Creedon, our founder, uh, as as the hospitality business grew, he he uh, realized hospitality is a full-time job. Uh, so he didn't want to be welded to hospitality. So at that time, both... Uh, myself and my business partner Paul Fitzgerald, uh, who's the CEO of Klista, um, uh, did a management buyout of of the management company, and we've we've taken it taken it from there. You've taken it from there, yeah. Uh, why hospitality for you? You mentioned that you thought you'd have a career in finance, but obviously you got the bulk for hospitality because it's a tough industry. It's long hours. It's now kind of a twenty four seven gig, uh, and I'm sure you're always on in the role that you have, even when you're off. Yeah, I I just love the buzz of hospitality. I think you know I I uh, really enjoyed the engagement uh, with with customers. Yes, you have tough days, but in in general, it's it's hugely rewarding um, job. And equally, there's great teamwork in the job. You know, I think uh, it's it's like a family in a hotel environment, and it's it's a really enjoyable place to work. And I you know you you. Uh, you know, mo- most days over the last 25 years working in hospitality, I've gone into work with a smile uh, on my face. I get a buzz buzz from it. And I think, you know, knowing that the team enjoy it and that your customers are having a good experience really makes it for me, you know, so. Now, Klisha, you mentioned you have uh, eight of your own hotels. You have a number of management contracts. I think you have five bars and restaurants. Am I right in saying that? We have, yeah, we have bars and restaurants, obviously, throughout the hotels. But we, we recently purchased um, a, a bar in Cork called The Viaduct. It's on the uh, in Bishopstown on the road to West Cork. And we've redeveloped that into a restaurant, a cafe and food store. Um, and that opened in early September. And we've created 50 new jobs uh, in Bishopstown and Cork. So uh, 
challenging time to open, but we we believe in the business model and uh, and uh, it's it's been very successful over the last couple of weeks. And you've got the big tree in Dublin near Crook Park, which a lot of GA fans obviously would know. We do indeed, yes. So we we uh, we manage a hotel called Dublin One, which uh, opened in February this year, 163 rooms, and next to it is the big tree pub, which we also which we also manage. So again. Um, Good, good summer of uh, GA matches, and also obviously Ed Sheeran and Garrett Brooks. So, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed going into the D- Dublin market. I think for the first for the first few years, we very much focused on regional Ireland. I think uh, a lot of private equity were very focused on looking at Dublin, and we felt there was good opportunities for us to expand in regional Ireland. But when the opportunity came to move into the Dublin market, uh, we took that opportunity last year. So, what's the future hold for Clista? Our ambition is uh, to continue to grow. As I say, we believed when we when we built out the Clista team that there was a place for uh, a regional hospitality group. We would uh, we would hope uh, by the end of twenty three to grow to at least fifteen hotels and ultimately uh, to twenty hotels. There's areas of the country where uh, we still have ambitions to expand on the east coast and Galway. We'd like to do more in Dublin and equally we'd like to go into the north of Ireland. So uh, we are we are ambitious. Uh, ambitious to grow. We employ fifteen hundred people at the moment, and I'd like to think by the end of next year we'll we'll be up to at least two and a half thousand. I should have asked you seventy five million revenue. What does that um, trickle down to in terms of your bottom line, in terms of your profit? Okay. So uh, obviously, for the the uh, eight hotels we own, our revenues will be about sixty three million, and our our profits will be about eleven million. Uh, you know, obviously, for the privacy of our other clients, I, I, I can't expose. But uh, for right. the eight hotels we own, um, revenue is about sixty-three million, and profits about eleven. Right. So that's a margin of what about 16 percent thereabouts. Yes. Yeah. Um, how does that compare with the rest of the industry? I mean, regionally, uh, hotels in Ireland would have had profits of about fifteen, sixteen percent pre-COVID. Eighteen and nineteen, they would have they would have been the margins we'd see, and I think it's important to say too. Obviously, that's before we pay our bank debt, um, um, but that's that's the margin we need to achieve, and re- really, uh, that that those profits are split between repay, repaying our debt and refurbishing our hotels. We we put. Uh, between four and five percent of our revenues every year back into refurbishment works, um. So we're constantly refurbishing, and obviously, we're n- now spending a lot more in the sustainability space as well in terms of reducing our carbon footprint. And we anticipate that this year, we'll probably spend about a million euros on on just sustainability and trying to reduce our carbon footprint. So what does that involve? That involves everything from uh, changing changing boilers and plumbing in hotels, um, lights, um. Relooking at our swimming pools, changing heat pumps, etc., in our swimming pools to try and reduce the amount of energy uh, we use. Also, then um, the whole area of waste, taking plastics out of our business, um, and also um, controlling food to make sure we reduce food waste as well. So um, there's a, a fairly substantial program of sustainability initiatives, and we've teams in the hotel uh, working on that for us. Right, UK. Any interest in that market? Uh, not not currently. I think there. I think there's enough growth for us uh, in 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 Ireland uh, currently, um, and certainly for the next two or three years, that is our focus. I I wouldn't rule it out in the in the in the longer term, or indeed in Europe. But uh, I think for the next two or three years, our, our focus is in Ireland, and as I say, moving into the north of Ireland as well. And who do you see as your main rivals here? Because obviously, Delada is a very big chain in Ireland. It runs the Clayton and Maldron uh, brands. So are they your main competitor? 
Not really. I mean, Delat are predominantly focused on Dublin and 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 the UK, and less focused on on regional Ireland. Most of our competitors in our in our locations are independently owned uh, hotels. Um, you know, when I started in the hotel industry, we had Great Southerns and Rhines and Lynches, and a lot of those groups disappeared in the early two thousands. So really, there hasn't been. Um, strong regional hotel groups. You have a number of players in the market that own two or three hotels, but you've no real large groups, and that's where we see that's where we see the opportunity. And particularly in a time of of inflation, where uh, our size matters in terms of procurement, and you know the the uh, the hotels that Clishta manages obviously benefit from the fact that we're we're able to achieve better deals across procurement. Um, we've we've a stronger sales platform, we've a stronger online sales platform, etc. And we're able to support those businesses in a way that it's probably more challenging if you're an independent hotelier. And how are you feeling about 2023 and even this winter? Because uh, we mentioned inflation, we mentioned the, the rise in the energy bills, the war in Ukraine is still rumbling along. There doesn't seem to be any finish to that in sight. Um, and people are obviously going to get huge energy bills uh, this winter and they're going to have to pay out a lot of money. So they're probably going to start cutting back in terms of their expenditure. There are. And, you know, we've been reading these headlines uh, for, the, for the last number of months. Uh, we haven't seen a reduction yet. October, November, uh, December bookings are, are still extremely strong. Um, we had um, we had uh, an industry conference last week and we uh, Jim Power was giving the economic outlook. And while there's a lot of headwinds in the economy, I think, you know, we also have to remember there's a lot of positive things in the Irish economy. We full employment, tax revenues are very strong, export numbers are very strong. There's 146 billion in household savings uh, throughout the country. Um, so we're, we are positive about 2023. We know we'll have as many weddings uh, in 2023 as we had in 2022. Um, we see that uh, our local business is very, is very strong in terms of food and beverage, uh, spa and leisure business. We know we have strong international bookings next year and we know uh, our conference bookings are very good next year. So yes, there may be a, a downturn in, in domestic leisure spend, but we feel as a business, we still have a, enough going on to have a very good uh, 2023. Will it be 2022? I'm not so sure, uh, because obviously you had a backlog, but I still think we'll have a very good trading performance in 23, and I'm not uh, hugely concerned. I think, you know, having our doors shut for eight months, you'll happily take any challenges that are there at the moment, you know, and, and that's what they are. They're, you know, they're challenges, but I think it's, it's really looking at, right, this is this is where we are and how we can make something good out of uh, out of current circumstances and and th- that's what we're doing in Clishta Hospitality and uh, we're we're quite positive about the year ahead. Okay, we wish you well, Sean O'Driscoll. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Sean O'Driscoll for joining me on the show. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.